There it is. Alright, moving on. Did the microphone drink I've been a sports fan my entire life because all of my friends are horrible people. Yes, Cam had a very bad game. Can we get that on tape? Get that overrated piece of crap out of this conversation. <laughs> are you sure you want this on tape? That's what I was transitioning <laughs> to. Big time Timmy Jim Chris Hale, Bartello Cologne. A lot of tears and a lot of beers. I can't argue with anything you say. That was kind of disappointing because it's a bottle, but there it is. And welcome to another episode of Late Night Shots. It's just Chris tonight. The other guys were not able to make it. Uh, Alex is sick and Landon and Brad couldn't make it, so it's just me. Um, for the mulligan tonight, thought about talking about the Broncos and how they gave up the 20-point lead. Thought about going with the PI penalties and how even when they're blatant, like the Marlon Humphrey one against DeAndre Hopkins, that they don't get overturned. And you could tell like he tra- or he tackled him to not give up the touchdown. Nothing got called. It's kind of ridiculous. But then the news came out about Mark Walton today, the Miami Dolphins running back, or former running back, I guess I should go with now. And he was waived today after he was arrested Tuesday morning for beating his pregnant girlfriend. Uh, pushed her into the wall a bunch of times, punched her in the head. I don't know if he was unhappy that he found out he was going to be a dad. It happened at four in the morning, so you know it probably wasn't a good thing. He's only 22. And earlier uh, this month, I think he was suspended for four games for violating the conduct and substance abuse policy. Uh, and that was because of his three off-season arrests between January and March. I did not know that part. So the Bengals cut him. What a surprise. The Bengals had a guy who got arrested. And then the Dolphins signed him even knowing that. The suspension came afterwards, which is kind of odd. Um, I guess they knew it was going to happen, and they thought he was going to be decent enough to play through it or go through it or whatever. But So they knew he was not the greatest guy. Uh, he just had a bunch of bad things happen, like concealed weapon charges, misdemeanor open carry charges. I guess that kind of goes hand in hand. Um, resisting arrest, reckless driving, marijuana charge. I think he's the same guy who they found traces of drugs and pills and like foil with residue on it, usually, which leads to some or stems from some pretty harsh drugs. And I don't know who the mulligan in this situation goes to, but I just can't stand seeing stuff like this. The drugs and these, um, the stuff from earlier this year back in. Uh, like January, February, March, that stuff's bad enough, but beating a woman and then while she's pregnant as well is just horrible. Mark Walton's just a terrible guy. There's no excuse for this. Um, I'm glad he got waived. I hope he never gets signed by anybody again. He doesn't deserve to play in the league. And just a guy like that is a disgrace to mankind, just to people everywhere. Um, I'm glad he got cut and I hope he never gets to play in the NFL again. I guess the mulligan goes to people who have to see this and hear about it once again because nobody deserves this. Um, if you want to take advantage of your mulligan in a much lighter note and in a better way, you can head to Homestead Farm and Golf in Linden, Washington. Mention late night shots. Got it right this time. For a free small round of range balls when you're there. Free small bag of range balls. I don't know what a small round of range balls would be. Uh, you can check out their Cleveland and Triction clubs and apparel that they have in the clubhouse. And you can check out their winter events that they got going on. They're trying to get some fun mini leagues and tournaments going on to keep you guys out there during these winter months when there's not as much sun. Make sure to head to Homestead Farm and Golf for all your golfing needs. 
And so we moved from Mark Walton to another beatdown, which was the opening night game this week, this past week, the Thursday night game between the Steelers and the Browns. And the game was pretty bad. Um, Browns ended up winning 21-7. to it, it was an ugly game all around. Um, just turnovers, kind of bad play. Chubb had an all right game. Beckham was getting forced the ball a lot. You could tell that him and Baker Mayfield are not on the same page. I don't know what's going on there, but it just doesn't seem to be working out that great. I don't know if it's play calling or it's schemes, but it's just not going well. But really the big story of this game is what happened at the very end and depends on how you see it. But it was Miles Garrett sacks or almost sacks Rudolph. He hits him as he throws it and brings him to the ground. You could say maybe he hit him extra or drug him down late. Um, and then they start going at it. Rudolph tries to pull off Garrett's helmet and he's unable to do it. And it just ticks Garrett off beyond measure. Um, he grabs Rudolph's helmet, just starts yanking on it. And he, he yanks on it hard enough that he kind of pulls Rudolph up off his feet, finally gets his helmet off. One of the Steelers linemen starts pushing Garrett away. And then Rudolph charges after him gets around and Garrett swings Rudolph's helmet and hits him in the head. Luckily for everyone involved, it was the bottom back part of the helmet, kind of where there's a little pad at. So it didn't do any damage to Rudolph. Um, it could have been seriously dangerous if he connected with the, the heavy part of the helmet. There's some videos going around of people taking football helmets and hitting them against things to show how much damage they can do. Uh, the one I saw a guy took apart a wooden chair with the helmet so Garrett does that. One of the, the Steelers get him to the ground. People start kicking him and a bunch of suspended suspensions ended up getting handed out. Uh, the big one and the obvious one was miles Garrett. He got at least six games. Um, there's six games left in the season. He was suspended indefinitely throughout the remainder of the regular season and any postseason games that may occur at a minimum. I don't know if he's going to be suspended at the start of next year or what's going to happen there. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, other suspensions that were handed out were uh, one of the Browns linemen. I, I struggle saying his name. Ogan Joby. Um, he got one game. And then uh, DeCastro for the Steelers, I think. I might be getting his name wrong. Um, he got three games. It sounds like there's somewhere around 10 players that are going to be fined from all of this. Um, and it's just, it was a really ugly note on a, a bad game. Sorry, it was Marquise Pouncey got suspended for three games. Um, yeah, and Ogan Joby was the defensive tackle for the Browns. I was surprised Rudolph wasn't suspended. He probably should have been. Excuse me. And because he, he started it, you could say. I, I placed the name on him and Garrett fairly equally but just Garrett took it to a whole nother level that's something that's not acceptable at all he could have I don't know if he could have killed Rudolph if he hit him with the helmet but you gotta remember Garrett's like 270 pounds of pretty much all muscle him swinging a helmet like that's not a good thing uh, luckily for him the Pittsburgh lineman was in the way but just as Cleveland was looking to turn it around they had won what two games in a row now um, they're up to four and six on the year their schedule's easy for the rest of the year. And we talked about this last week that, you know, maybe they could be a dark horse to make it into the playoffs. But without Garrett and with just all the drama around this team, it's, it's going to be rough for them to try and make it. 
especially with teams like Oakland still playing well. Um, they got a lot of ground to make up, and it's just the wrong time to get arguably your best player suspended for the rest of the season, at least your best player on defense. And hopefully we can move on from people beating each other horribly. Oh, wait, the next game we're going to talk about is the Ravens-Texans game where the Ravens treated the Texans like a college team. Uh, the Ravens won 41-7 to here. Lamar Jackson goes 17 for 24 with four touchdowns. And what's great about that is he started one for five in this game, which means he went 16 for 19 after that. Uh, Gus Edwards had 112 yards. Lamar had over 80 yards rushing. Mentioned earlier as a potential mulligan was the DeAndre Hopkins no call on the PI. Uh, Humphrey definitely took him down. It should have been a penalty. I thought it should have been a penalty. Nothing was called. Hopkins came out and said, we need to get new people looking at this because what's the point of it? And it kind of, it was the the one bad mark on this game. Uh, the Ravens took it to the Texans, and that makes it so they've beaten Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, and Deshaun Watson in three of their last four games. The other guy is the Bengals quarterback, who doesn't need to be mentioned because he's not a real quarterback. Um, and no, I'm not talking about Andy Dalton. But the Ravens just took it to the Texans this game. They actually got a decent pass rush. Pass rush. I think they sacked Watson five, six times. Um A.J. McCarron was in for a play and got sacked, which is kind of weird. And the Ravens have had issues with their pass rush, but as their secondary gets healthy, they're getting back to, they're not quite there yet. They won't because of the injuries, but one of the top secondaries in football, and they had a coverage sack on Deshaun Watson where he had the ball for over 10 seconds, and that's just unheard of. Um, The first five or six seconds, he was looking for a receiver, then the remainder of that, he was kind of bouncing around trying to get away trying to find a spot to go, but there's just too many Ravens in his way. And I think it was Judon who finally took him down. Judon had quite the game in this one. Seven tackles, two sacks, four for a loss. Hit Watson four times. Uh, Tyus Bowser had two sacks as well. And it was just a nice showing from the Ravens' D-line. Um, that gets them to 8-2. and two. They're now the two seed. And I was worried about this game because if the Texans beat the Ravens, then the both the Texans and the Chiefs would have the tiebreaker over the Ravens, which would make it hard to get to the two or the three seed. But now the Ravens are sitting a game and a half above the Chiefs because they haven't had their bye yet. They're what comes it's three games above the Texans. It's only two when you look at it, but because of the tiebreaker, it makes it quote unquote three. Uh, so it's good for the Ravens to win this one. Uh, it's bad for the Texans. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's just a blip or a sign of something, but they had troubles on their offensive line earlier in the year when Watson was sacked an NFL record four times or more in a game, eight straight games, which is really rough. Um, Next game we'll go to is Cowboys-Lions, and this game was interesting for a while. The Cowboys had a huge second quarter. It kind of got close at the end, but with no Stafford, it's just kind of too much, and the Cowboys ended up winning 35-27. Prescott throws for 444 yards against the Detroit secondary that's just kind of slowly getting beaten down, and they're trading their players away. Um, Darius Slay looked good at first, but I think Cooper and Cobb both ended up with over 100 yards. Or I don't know about Cooper, but Gallup had 150. Uh, bright spot for Detroit. They've kind of struggled at running back since on Johnson went out. Bo Scarborough looked good. He had 14 carries for 55 yards and a touchdown. He had some nice runs, some nice blocks early on. But it's just not enough for Detroit, who when you're playing with Jeff Driscoll at quarterback, it's kind of hard to keep up with the other team. It's not that he's looked bad. It's just 
I don't know if he's a starting caliber quarterback who can take down a team as talented as the Cowboys. Uh, now that the Lions are three six and one, I think earlier this year they were two zero and one, three one and one, something like that. They they were good at the beginning of the year, but it just they kind of turn him back into the old Detroit everybody knows and puts up with. Um, nice division matchup, Colts Jaguars, and this was a big game for both teams because the Jaguars needed a win to get to five hundred. Uh, the Colts needed a win to try and stay up with the Texans at the top of the division. Um, the Colts got it at first. It was 7-7. Seven to seven. Um, I think DJ Chark had a touchdown early. It was like maybe the Jags and Nick Foles. We're going to see some of that Foles magic, that BDE. Um, but the Colts just ran all over the Jaguars. Uh, Marlon Mack goes 14 for 109, and he wasn't the best running back in the game for the, for Indy. Uh, Jonathan Williams goes 13 for 116. So the Colts go 36 for 264 on the ground. Uh, they ran all over Jacksonville, which kind of helped because Brissett's back from the injury. Uh, he only throws for 150 yards, 15 to 24. So he didn't have a great game, but he didn't need to because the running backs just had an insane game. Um, and Jacksonville just couldn't get it going. They ended up passing the ball a ton, 47 attempts compared to only nine rushes, uh, only eight by Fournette. And after some good games over the last month or so, Fournette has been slowing down. Um, Jacksonville kind of needs to control the game, control the clock. When they get behind, it's, it's a lot more difficult for them. And then we will move on to the Bills-Dolphins game. A little worried about this game for the Bills because last time they played the Dolphins, I think... They were down for a while. The game was closer than it looked because that was a weird game where the Dolphins tried an onside kick and the Bills guy returned it for a touchdown. Um, Josh Allen ties his career high with three touchdown passes. He ran for another one, so he had a great game. Uh, on the other side, Fitzpatrick throws for over 300, but no touchdowns. Uh, John Brown has been having a great year. Uh, he goes nine for 137 and two touchdowns. And he's been a great player throughout his career. It just depends on if he can stay healthy or not. Uh, last year when he was in Baltimore, he was having a good season, but he kind of I think he went down with a hammy injury partway through the year, and it really slowed him down. And at that point, he was leading the team in targets. He had a good target share compared to anybody else in the league. Um, and so far this year, he's got 56 catches for 817 yards. Um, it's the second most catches he's ever had in his career and second most yards as well. He's already got four touchdowns. Um, so he's on pace as long as he can stay healthy to have easily the best year of his career. Uh, 56 catches through 10 games. It's about six catches a game. So he's on pace for like 90 catches, 1,200 yards or so. And that's a great season. That's Pro Bowl worthy and not the kind of Pro Bowl seventh replacement, but like legit Pro Bowler right there. And it's what Buffalo needs. Um, they need somebody who can stretch the field, open things up for Allen. And as teams like Arizona and Baltimore have shown, when you have, and even Houston, when you have a quarterback who can run and you have somebody who can stretch the field, it makes it even harder to contain them because you can't just drop everybody deep to cover the deep pass. You have to keep some guys up in the box to worry about that quarterback. And when you have both options, it just opens up the entire playbook for the offense. And the Bills were able to do it in this game. They got a needed win to go to 7-3 and three and keep that 5 seed in the wild card. And they're going to need it with all the teams that are coming up behind them right now. 
the five seed in the other wild card, or wait, no, the six seed in the other wild card over in the NFC is the Vikings, who came back from a 20 to nothing deficit to beat the Broncos. Uh, something like the last 96 teams that were down 20 to nothing in a game had lost. Um, this Vikings broke that streak. The Vikings hadn't won a game when they were down by 16 in the fourth quarter in 20 years or something like that. They were able to do that here as at the start of the fourth, it was 23 to 7. The Vikings put up a 20 spot in the fourth to get the win. Uh, Kirk Cousins, yeah, that Kirk Cousins, favorite of this podcast. Uh, 320 for three touchdowns, 29 to 35. So an accurate game, lots of yards. And he does that without feeling. Uh, he gets Diggs involved for 120 and a touchdown. Dalvin Cook, just a monster as always, as they're able to come back and put up a bunch of points. Um, they recently re-signed Andrew Sandejo, I think, uh, safety. And he had a pick in this game. Uh, Broncos should have been able to do it. And it just seems like they can't get out of their own way. Uh, bad stuff just keeps happening for them. They're 3-7. and seven. They could easily be 6-4. and four. Maybe you can make an argument they could be 7-3 and three at this point. But it just hasn't gone great for them. Uh, Vikings get the much-needed win. That NFC wildcard and NFC playoff picture in general is just crazy. Uh, you got to get wins when you can get them. You want to be just, you want to put yourself in the best position you can. You don't want to fall behind the Packers. Um, and they get to 8 3. That's big for them. Uh, next up, you got the Saints. They rebound from that ugly game against Atlanta last week, and they beat the Bucks 34 to 17. Uh, they started off hot with 13 points in the first quarter, and they were up 20 to 7 at halftime. They kind of ne just never let the Bucks get into it. Uh, Breeze only threw for 228. But because Winston just kept throwing interceptions and being Winston and making bad plays, um, the Saints were able to win this one. There was a really weird interception where Winston hit O.J. Howard with a pass, and Howard kind of bobbled it and ended up behind his back, and he was trying to hold it behind his back. And then he got hit, and it popped up in the air, and Saints guy intercepted it, and I think that put them in the red zone or near it. Uh, Michael Thomas had another great game. He goes 8 for 114 and a touchdown. Uh, he just continues to set all kind of records um, whether it's most catches by a certain point in his career or most catches by a guy this age you have a guy that's that precise on his route with that good of hands with a quarterback like breeze and it's just a great combo uh, saints improved to eight and two and the bucks are finally eliminated from the playoffs i think because of all the wins by like the vikings the vikings are eight and three and they're the sixth seed i don't know if you guys can hear that train but that's not bothersome at all um so they are, yeah, Vikings are 8-3. and three. They're about to have their bye. Bucks are 3-7. and seven. So the Bucks, I don't know why they're eliminated from the playoffs. Maybe it's similar, but I saw the Bucks were eliminated from the playoffs. Maybe it's just they're eliminated. They can't win the division. But things are bad in uh, Tampa. I don't know what's going on with Jameis, if they want to keep him or not. He's coming towards the end of that fifth year, so they got to make a decision if they re-sign him or not. Because somebody's going to probably give him some money. Uh, he's still young. He's only going to be 26, I think. So maybe somebody thinks they can turn him around. It all depends on who gets him. A uh, team that's been turning around, and I don't know if their fans want them to be turning it around, is the New York Jets. As they beat the Redskins 34-17. to Now this game was a pick -em, maybe a point, depending on when and where you saw it. But Donald just tore it up. He throws for four touchdowns. Le'Veon Bell kind of got involved. Uh, their backup tight end, he's kind of looking like their tight end now. Ryan Griffin for the Jets goes 5 for 109 with a touchdown. Um, and the Redskins finally broke their streak of 16 or 17 straight quarters without a touchdown, maybe offensive touchdown. 
Uh, they put up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, but by then it was like 34 to three. So it didn't really matter. They were worthless touchdowns, kind of like the Redskins who are now one and nine and the second worst team in football. Thanks to the two game win streak that the jets are on. I think it's a two game win streak. Yeah. Cause they beat the dolphins last week. Um, if you're a Jets fan, I don't know if you're happy that they're winning, but at least they look good when they're doing it. So maybe that portends well for them. You want to get the good draft pick. You want to be able to add talent to that team and keep their guys happy. Um, but with Darnold seeing some good chemistry with Anderson and Crowder, uh, Le'Veon Bell maybe picking it up a little bit, some nice tight ends, that all of a sudden the team doesn't look as horrible as they did the first eight weeks of the season. Uh, then you got the Redskins, Haskins. He's begging his offensive line to do stuff for him, and they just laugh at him. So that's great for that culture there. And another three and seven team, just like the Jets, that's on a two game win streak, is the Falcons, who look like a completely different team these last two weeks. They shut down the Saints last week, uh, beating Drew Brees by a couple scores. And I don't know what happened. Uh, good thing Landon's not here because he would break something in my house right now. As the Falcons went 29 to three, Kyle Allen threw four picks. He got sacked five times. I think I saw that the Falcons only had, it was either four interceptions coming into this game or four turnovers coming into this game, four turnovers forced. And Kyle Allen threw four picks on 50 attempts. I know they got down big early. It was 20, nothing at halftime, but you've just got to take control of the ball. You can't make Allen be the sole option or focal point. You have Christian McCaffrey. If you had a good head coach or a good system in place, Christian McCaffrey should be the MVP. Um, he becomes, or he's the first player to have a thousand yards rushing and 500 yards receiving through a team's first 10 games. Um, he's got a real shot at breaking CJ2K's yards from scrimmage. I think it's 2508, something like that. He's got a legit chance to do it. Um, but if they're falling behind so early, it's going to be tougher for him. Uh, luckily for him, I guess. He had like 11 catches in this game, so he had almost as many catches as he did rushes. Yeah, 14 for 70 on the ground, 11 for 121 in the air. Um, that's It's kind of ridiculous that he goes for that many yards through the air, but they needed it, and it just it didn't end up mattering because Kyle Allen kept giving the ball back to the Falcons, so good for the Falcons, I guess. Uh, it makes the Saints happy because it just grows their lead in the division more. They now have a solid three-game lead over the Panthers. Um so I guess at least the Saints were happy about that game. Uh, we'll drop down to another division game. Uh, Niners-Cardinals. This game was close for the first three quarters. Uh, it was 16-10 to 10 at halftime. The Cardinals were actually ahead. It was 19-7 at the end of three quarters. And then the Niners turned it on in the fourth. Um, Jimmy G ends up going for over 400 yards and four touchdowns. Debo Samuel had a nice game. Um, Emmanuel Sanders had a nice game. The backup tight end for the Niners, he ended up with two touchdowns, actually. Um, Ross Dwelly, he had another one called back. It was like an 18-yarder or something to a holding that was not a holding. Uh, one of the common themes with this game was there were a ton of penalties. And I'm okay if there's penalties when they really are penalties. But the penalties in this game, they'd show the replay, and it wasn't even close. It'd be a holding where the guy just has his hand on the left hip and he's not grabbing anything. Or just plays that or players that aren't even close to the play, not really doing anything, getting called for a penalty. Um, the lone bright spot for Arizona, I guess, was that they held San Francisco, who was one of the top 
three rushing teams in the NFL to 19 carries for 34 yards. Uh, so that was good for them. Uh, San Fran had been averaging 180 to 200 yards somewhere in there per game on the ground. But they were just able to pass, get whatever they wanted through the air. Uh, Jimmy G is pretty accurate, 34 for 45. Nice QBR, nice rating. Um, on the other side, Kyler Murray, he threw the ball a lot, 33 times, but only 150 th- yards. Uh, he just couldn't get it going. And he did better on the ground almost, eight carries for 67 yards. Same amount of yards as Kenyon Drake, who goes 16 for 67. And you have to wonder if this team not having David Johnson and Chase Edmonds has been hurting them just in what they're able to call on offense. Um, Arizona looked good for a while. They started 0-3-1, then they won three straight, 3-3-1. Three, three and one. It's like, okay, this team's got a little bit, but now they've lost four in a row. Uh, so all they can do is go on streaks. So they blow it here against the Niners. Niners get a nice win to get to 9-1, and one, kind of keep that lead on Seattle, who beat them last week. So it's a needed win for the Niners. Um, they got to keep ahead of Seattle and get their wins wherever they can. So it's a big win here for them. Um, and then we'll move to Raiders-Bengals. Mentioned the Raiders earlier. And playing the 0-9 Bengals in Oakland, you would think that the Raiders would have done better. This game was 14-10 to going into the fourth quarter, and it looked like the Bengals might get their first win. And with how good Oakland has looked this year, you would not have expected that, um, especially at home. The Raiders are 5-1 and one at home now. So 5-1 and one at home, 1-3 one and three on the road. You'd expect them to, to take it to the Bengals in this game. The Bengals haven't looked good. Uh, they've shown that they can beat, get beat by 20, 30, 40 points. And especially with the type of offense Oakland's running where it's lots of short passes and check downs and quick plays to keep the offense moving, keep Derek Carr from making bad decisions. And then you have Josh Jacobs, who's looking like the offensive rookie of the year. Uh, another 100-yard game. He goes 23 for 112. You would think that the Raiders did better, but they only win by seven. But hey, a win's a win. That's what matters. Uh, Bengals fall to 0-10. And they're kind of just running away, if it weren't for the Redskins at least, for the number one pick. Um, you got to argue, maybe that's what they want. They kind of want to lose games. I don't know if you want to go 0-16 and join that company. But if you're able to go 1-15 and still get the number one pick. Yeah, it sucks. Players want to win. But for the front office, at least, getting better with the amount of future talent you're able to accumulate is really what you want to do. The opposite end of the spectrum from the Bengals is the current, I think they're the current one seed in all the NFL. I don't know about that. But at least in the AFC is the Patriots as they improve to 9-1, and beating the Eagles 17-10. to Um this game, it looked like the Eagles might be able to win this game. They start up, they're up 10 nothing. They had two long and slow drives, uh, lots of plays, like a 16 drive or 16 play drive, something like that. But then after that, they just could not do anything. I think a big part of that was their left tackle, uh, Jason Peters, going down. And it really changed how Wentz and the offense were able to produce. Wentz was holding on to the ball too long, which was part of it. But against that Patriots secondary, which is really good, um, Wentz just wasn't able to find anything. And on the other side, the Patriots offense has not looked like the Patriots offense that you think of. Uh, Brady didn't have a great game. 26 for 47 for 216 yards. It's not often that he throws more passes than he is years old. But he did in this game. And he wasn't the guy who threw a or a touchdown for the Patriots as that honor fell to Julian Edelman. Uh, They're down inside the red zone at the 15, and Brady throws a backwards pass to Edelman. And once he throws it, 
it's like, oh, this is going to be a pass because you can see that Edelman dropped back to be behind where Brady threw it from. And Edelman finds the guy in the end zone. The guy gets lit up, but he holds onto the ball. So that's the Patriots' only touchdown in this game. They went for two after that and got it. Um, so the Patriots went 17-10. to 10. Um, Eagles fall to 5-5. Five and five. They really needed this game because now they're down a game to the Cowboys, and the Cowboys beat them already. So it's going to be very important to the Eagles to beat the Cowboys the next time they play because that will get them into a tie, and then you have to go into the further tiebreakers than that. Um, a team that the Eagles are kind of chasing in one way for a, a shot at a wild card although neither team is likely going to get one is the rams is the rams beat the bears 17 to 7 alex and i talked about this one last week and that we did not think there was going to be lots of point in, points in this one i think i guessed the over under at 32 and it was like 39 or something like that uh it gets nowhere close in this uh trubisky had a bad game supposedly got hurt because he got benched at the end um the Rams made a change in their offensive line, and they put their two rookies together on the right side of the offensive line, and it's made a difference in them running the ball. Todd Gurley looked decent, 25 for 97 with a touchdown. Uh, Goff still isn't looking good. Uh, they did have some big plays overturned. Um, I think he hit Cooper Cup for a long play, and they got lucky here because Cup, so if you're watching left or right at the top of the screen, Cup dives for the end zone on a 50-some yard play, and he fumbles it just as he gets to the pylon. But luckily for him, he fumbled it out of bounds and not over the pylon because then it would have been a touchback. And on the next play, I think Gurley ran it in for a touchdown. Uh, it was only uh, one of two touchdowns for the Rams, uh, and they luckily get the win here. They go to 6-4, and four, and the Bears have to be one of the most disappointing teams in football with one of the most disappointing quarterbacks in football. They're 4-6. and six. For all intents and pur purposes, they are out of the playoffs. Um, they're, what, three and a half games back on Minnesota. They're even further back at Green Bay, I think four games plus the tiebreaker. And it's three and a half games back on Minnesota, who is the sixth seed. So if they're going to catch anybody, that'd be the team they're going to catch. And it just does not look like it's going to happen. And things are bad in Chicago. You have to wonder if they're going to put Trubisky back in, if they're just going to say he's injured. And play Chase Daniel or somebody else. Um, but you got to wonder how much change is going to happen in Chicago. And the last game of the week happened down in Mexico City. Uh, Chiefs Chargers. Uh, average attendance at a Chargers game this year has been like 25,000. With about 2,500 Chargers fans at each game. There were 75, 76,000 people at this game. And a lot of Chargers fans as well. Um, and if... Philip Rivers could have had an okay game. The Chargers win this. Instead, he throws four interceptions. Um, I think at one point in the first half, the Chargers had 200 more yards than the Chiefs did. But Chiefs end up winning 24 to 17. They did just enough to get the win. Um, and Rivers looked bad in this game. His the interceptions he were, he threw were not good. Um, put the ball in bad places, threw a couple incomplete passes that were bad. He just missed receivers. Uh, the drive at the end, he missed Hunter Henry on a little curl to start the drive. Later on that drive, he hit the defensive lineman in the head on a little dump-off screen-type pass, just trying to throw like a little sidearm pass like he does, but through, the line, like, through all the linemen, it, it hit the defender in the head without jumping. It was just a horrible pass. And it was that kind of night all night for Rivers, who 
four interceptions, uh, that makes it seven in the last two games for him. He'd never thrown six through two games before. And you have to wonder if Rivers is joining that Manning and Roethlisberger class of it's just football has passed him by and he's not good enough to lead a team anymore. Um, on the other side, Kansas City, they didn't look like they should win this game, but sometimes you're able to do it. Uh, Mahomes was the leading rusher by 24 yards for them, 559. Darrell Williams and Sean McCoy were not able to get it going, really. Mahomes didn't have a great night passing. You have to wonder if the ankle's still bugging him or even the knee now. Uh, 19 to 32 for 182 yards. Just over half of those yards went to Travis Kelsey, 7 for 92 and a touchdown. It didn't help that Tyreek Hill went down early with what looked like a hamstring injury. Uh, he ends up with no catches, no yards on two targets. So rough for anybody who had him in fantasy. Um, but the Chiefs get the win here, and they really needed it because if they fell to 6-5, and five, they actually would have been out of the playoffs at that moment. Um, but they were able to get the win. They go to 7-4, and four and they're a half game ahead of Oakland. So they'll head into their bye week. Finally, they need it. Mahomes um, can get healthy. Tyreek Hill can try and get back to being healthy. Um, and it kind of knocks the Chargers out of it. They'd have to win out probably to make the playoffs since they're down down to four and seven. Um, so it's kind of a rough look for the Chargers, and it's just every loss they've had this year has been by one score. Now it's time to move on to this week's games, uh, the Thursday night game. We got a division game, and it should be a great game. Uh, whoever wins this game is going to be in the lead in the division and feeling pretty good about themselves. It's Colts at the Texans. Uh, both teams are six and four. And it, it's a great game. It, it might be the game of the week, um, at least until we get to the, the next primetime games. Um, the two primetime games to end the week are pretty good. But this is a great one to start with. Um, Watson's going to be looking to recover from last week's horrible game. Um, it's arguably one of the worst games he's ever had as a pro. Um, but you got lots of weapons on offense who have been doing well. Uh, Carlos Hyde's 158 for 770 yards on the season. Um, just the fact that he's averaging around five yards a carry just under at this point in his career, especially after how bad he did on the Browns and the Jags last year. He just didn't really expect it. He was averaging like 3.3, 3.4 yards a carry. Um, at least this Texans line can run block. They can't necessarily pass block, but that's opened it up for Hyde. On the other side, you got Marlon Mack. Um, he's been having a great season. And if it sounds like T.Y. Hilton might be able to come back for this one, it's not certain yet. Um, I didn't see what his practice status was today, but uh, he was listed as a did not practice Monday, even though teams don't necessarily practice on Monday, but they still have to file a expected injury report. And that's where Hilton landed. Um, it's not always indicative of what's going to happen in the Thursday night game. Last week, James Conner was listed as a full participant in that Monday fake practice report thing, and he lasted two touches. Uh, so you don't know about T.Y. Hilton. You have to think that maybe the Colts are going to arrest him because on the short week, you just want to make sure he's healthy. You wouldn't want to get him out there and get him re-aggravating his injury and then lose him for a while. But if T.Y. Hilton's able to play, he's toasted the Texans throughout his career. So if you got Hilton and a healthy Brissett, who looks like he's probably back to normal after the bad game last week, um, this could be a great game. Um, you know both teams want this game. It, it's rare to see them both so similarly matched at the same time. But I'm glad this is the Thursday night game because it's going to be a great game to start the week off with. And it's a lot better than the first game listed for Sunday morning, which is Bucks at Falcons. Um, I don't care about this game. 
Jameis Winston, yeah, he's thrown for 3,100 yards this year, so he's on pace for almost 5,000 more or around 4,500. It's because he's got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. If there was a real quarterback there, those guys would each be over 1,000 yards and they'd be a fantastic team. But Winston, he's the problem here. Um, and they need to find a solution to quarterback. It's not Winston. On the other side, the Falcons are figuring it out. Yeah, they got Matt Ryan and Julio and all that talent. But at three and seven, like they've won two in a row. They could win six more in a row. They're still not making the playoffs. Mentioned the Broncos earlier that they could be six and four or seven and three somewhere in there. Um, Brandon Allen, the the third Allen, now second Allen because he's better than Kyle Allen. Um, not better than Josh Allen though on the other side, but he's looked decent um, at least for the first seven quarters he started. I don't know about the last quarter last week, but him and Fant seem to have good chemistry. Uh, Philip Lindsay's doing decent still. He's averaging right around five yards to carry as well. Um, but you got John Brown mentioned him earlier, having the fantastic season. He looks to keep it up and it's going to be really difficult against the Broncos who continually or usually shut the top receiver down on the other team. Uh, Diggs was able to get open for a couple last week, but you have to wonder Brown is not the same league as Stefan Diggs. Um, but if he can get loose for a deep one or something or find Josh Allen or connect with Josh Allen on a scramble, Maybe you could have a decent game here. Uh, it's Broncos at the Bills for this one. And you have to mention it earlier with um, like the Jets and the Bengals where losing isn't necessarily bad this late in the season when you have a bad record because the draft pick is important. The players want to win, but the front office might not. Who knows about John Elway um, being a former player for so long that he might not want to be losing right now because it's that important to him to get the wins. But I would think for the Broncos, you really your goal for this year to be should be to finish four and twelve, five and eleven, something like that. Make sure you get a top ten pick, um, and that that could be good for the Bills because they they need all the wins they can get. Uh, they've had the, the I think it's still the easiest schedule in all of football, um, and it's just going to get harder from here. I think the remainder of the way they have one of the hardest schedules, so getting these wins while they can is going to be important because it's going to be difficult for them to get to ten wins. Uh, again, that. Kind of looked exciting at the beginning of the year, maybe just from the talent involved and the potential for one of these teams to be good. It is Giants at the Bears. Instead, you have the Giants who suck, Saquon, who hasn't done much. Um, yeah, he's been injured, but like we mentioned before, teams are just stacking the box and making the Giants try and throw the ball, and it doesn't always work. Yeah, Golden Tate gets loose once in a while, but it's usually when the team's down by like 17 points or something like that, and it doesn't matter. Um, Bears... They're just not able to do anything. I don't know who's starting at quarterback this week, if if it even matters. Uh, Chase Daniels looked just as good as, maybe better than McDaniel. Um, I'm upset about, or not upset, but it disappoints me because I was one of the people in Chase or in Mitch Trubisky's field last season. I thought he had a good year last year, throwing like 66, 67 percent. Looked like he was doing well, but this year it's been completely different. Um, so maybe the Giants can get a win here, get up to 3-8. and eight. But either way, this is just a much more disappointing game than we thought it would have been. Game that I'm excited about, kind of, but not really. Uh, Steelers at Bengals. It'll be interesting to see what the Steelers look like here um, without Pouncey protecting um, Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph is not suspended, but he's going to be fined, I guess. Um 
it's just the Bengals, they looked feisty last week against the Raiders, who have been decent. But at home, I don't know if A.J. Green's really going to, if he's back or not, or not yet. I haven't seen anything. Uh, Joe Mixon finally scored a touchdown, and it was nine and a half games, somewhere around there, for the Bengals to get a running back, a rushing touchdown. They're the last team in the NFL to do it. Andy Dalton had all their rushing touchdowns on the season. He had three of them. Um, so if the Bengals are able to find 17 points in this game, I'd say they have a chance to win. But if they're not, they're not going to be able to. And this is just a run of rough games to watch because next up is Dolphins-Browns. Um, here's why I mentioned the Browns. It was it looked good for them. Um, you get the Dolphins. You're playing them at home. There's really no reason you should lose this game or it should even be close. Um, Vegas agrees is Cleveland is, I think, the favorite this week at 10.5. If this is the game, or this should be the game, Odell Beckham gets it going. There's no one to stop him on the Dolphins. Um, if he put up a 8 for 150 in a touchdown game, it wouldn't surprise me. If Chubb put up a 18 carries for 180 yards, it wouldn't surprise me. Cleveland should just wipe the field with Miami. Um, but it's Cleveland, and with Freddie Soup Kitchens, you never know if that's going to happen or not. So this game shouldn't be close. But if CBS or whoever keeps cutting to it, Fox, I guess, if Fox keeps cutting to it at 1230, don't be surprised when it's 20 to 17 and the Dolphins are ahead. Uh, this game looked a lot more interesting a couple weeks ago when Carolina looked like they might be making a run even with Allen. Instead, they're 5-5. Five and five. He's looked terrible lately. I think he has a negative... Um, turnover differential for touchdowns to turnovers as they travel to New Orleans, who stepped it up last week against Tampa. And Allen threw four interceptions last week. He could do it again against the Saints defense, which is pretty good. Um, you got McCaffrey, who I think leads the league. He might be second now to Dalvin Cook. I can't remember. In rushing yards, he's got 200 carries for 1050 yards right around there. 11 touchdowns already. So he's on pace for 18 rushing touchdowns somewhere in there. He's got a ton of catches, like I mentioned earlier. Um, on the other side, Michael Thomas is almost to 100 catches already. I think it's the most catches through 10 games in NFL history. It's one of those things I mentioned where he just keeps breaking records. Uh, so 94 for 1141 already. So he's on pace for 140 some catches. Um, and 1700 yards so he's just having a fantastic season like he has all his years in the nfl really um, raiders at jets is next up and yet to see a game that i'm interested in watching besides that thursday night game uh, none of the ones sunday morning are that interesting so if you want to pick a morning to go do something unless you're a seahawks fan i guess this is the morning to do it uh raiders at jets the Raiders are just a better team than the Jets. It might be different with how the Jets have maybe been starting to click lately. Um, but it's going to be hard for the Jets' pass rush to get to Carr because of how quickly they get the ball out of his hands, especially getting it to Darren, Darren Waller. Um, he has about a fourth, a fourth of Derek Carr's completions. Exactly a fourth of Derek Carr's completions have gone to Darren Waller. Uh, he's got 56 catches for 666 yards and three touchdowns, so hopefully he can get one more yard soon. Um, Josh Jacobs, Jacobs will be looking to go over 1,000 yards on the season. He's already up to 923. Um, he's got to be on pace for one of the top five seasons, at least yards-wise, by a rookie running back. 
Um, so he looks to keep that going against the Jets in East Rutherford. Um, the game that was flexed out of Sunday night and moved to Sunday morning is Seahawks at the Eagles. Um, Seahawks are 8-2, and two, Eagles are 5-5. Five and five. It's a big game for the Eagles because if they lose this one, falling below 500 is not good. Lucky for them, the Cowboys have just as tough, if not a toucher, tougher matchup um, than they do in playing the Hawks. I have yet to see if Tyler Lockett's going to play. I know he had a pretty significant um, shin injury in the last game that took him out for the Seahawks, so they had to finish up that game without him. Uh, Russell Wilson looks to get back on track for his MVP candidacy. Um, and I don't know if it's for the it's for the first time in a while where he's not the favorite for the MVP. MVP. He has fallen to plus 200 odds, I think, for the MVP, where Lamar Jackson is like plus 120 or something like that. So Lamar's the favorite right now. And I saw a good point last week about Russell Wilson was that your MVP candidate cannot almost give away the game and only have 200 yards passing or something like that because he did not have a great game against the Niners and he needed to have one. That would have it would have really put a nice mark on his MVP candidacy. Yeah, they got the win, but it was not because of Russell Wilson. Uh, last Sunday morning game, and again, these Sunday morning games are not good. Lions at Redskins. Uh, Peterson's the leading rushing back, running back in this game. That's not something you'd think you'd say at this point in the season. He's got 516 yards. Uh, Haskins is kind of the quarterback for the rest of the season for the Redskins. You got Haskins versus Jeff Driscoll. Uh, not likely going to see Stafford back for a while. He's got a broken back. Um, it's not the kind of thing you want to hurry him back, and there's no reason to. You don't want him to be hurt. Um, he's just he's such a competitor, and he's so tough. He's probably the one of the toughest quarterbacks in the league right now. He's played through crazy injuries before. He really seems like he belongs back in the 80s. He's that tough. But it's Driscoll there now, and it's it's not going to be a good game. Um, we move to a division game to start off the afternoon games. Jaguars at Titans. Uh, it's an important game for the Titans. Uh, Taylor Lewan's come out and said he needs to be better. Jaguars haven't looked good the last couple weeks. I think all season they've gone... Two losses, two wins, two losses, two wins, two losses. So they get look to get back on track here. Um, unlike last year, I don't think Teddy and Brad are going to be at this game, but it should. Brad's hoping for the same type of outcome. Last year, this was the game where Derrick Henry had the 99-yard touchdown run, uh, 240 yards or something like that. I know Brad would know the exact number, but I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, Vegas thinks these two teams are very evenly matched. They have Tennessee as a three-point favorite. So if this was a neutral field, it would be a pick em game. Um, at least the Sunday afternoon games are starting off well. And what's unfortunate is there's only two of them. Um, it would have been nice if they could have put one of these games in the morning so we could at least have a good morning game and a good afternoon game. Because even though this game is decent, the other Sunday afternoon game should be pretty darn good. It's Cowboys at Patriots. 6-4 uh, and four Cowboys, 9-1 and one Patriots. And you have to wonder if this is the what second best offense probably that the Patriots have seen all year. The Cowboys have been able to throw the ball very well all season. Dak's got 3,200 yards already, 21 touchdowns. Um, Zeke's only got 830 yards, but he's still, it's Zeke. You know he's always dangerous. Um, Cooper, Gallup, Randall Cobb, Jason Witten, Tony Pollard, Zeke. There's just lots of weapons on that offense for Dak to get the ball to. 
And it'll be interesting to see if the Patriots and that supposedly great defense, which was torn up by the Ravens, um, they looked like they were going to get beat by the Eagles at the beginning of that game, but they made adjustments and Jason Peters went down and it, it made a difference if they're able to do against the Cowboys here. Um, so it should be a great game to finish up the Sunday afternoon. And then the game that was flexed into Sunday night to take the place of the Eagles-Seahawks game, and rightfully so in my opinion, is Packers at Niners. It's the 8-2 Packers against the 9-1 Niners. Um, just easily the two best teams that have played each other all season, I think, at this point. Um, and like the Jacksonville-Tennessee game, Vegas has this as an even game, but it's in San Francisco, so San Francisco is a three-point favorite. And it'll be interesting to see how both these teams perform. Um, they've... Each of them have had some rough games so far in the season. Uh, like the Niners last week, they didn't look like they showed up for the first three weeks after taking it to the Cardinals back on Halloween a couple weeks ago. Um, the Packers had their bad game, was it just two weeks ago, I think, uh, against, I'm drawing a blank here on who the Packers got um, beat pretty badly by. Um, but they're still 8-2. and two. They lead their division. Oh, they got beat by the Chargers by 15, which a game that just did not really make sense because like you saw last week with the Chargers, they don't look that great. Uh, but it's a great game to finish out the week with. It'll be interesting to see how Jimmy G and that offensive line does against the nice pass rush that the Packers have been able to put together. Um, if they're able to protect him and if Kittle is able to come back and play in this game, it's going to be a huge boon for the Niners. And I think... If the Niners' offense is healthy heading into the game, they're able to take this against the Packers. Uh, we'll finish out with Ravens at Rams on Monday night. And I'm excited for this game. Uh, the Rams have not looked great. Um, Ravens have looked spectacular the last few weeks. Yeah, that makes me worried because whenever you start to feel really good about your own team, you have to worry about the letdown. Um, but Lamar has just looked insane all season. Uh, 780 yards on the ground. Um, and he's done well through the air. I think 20, 2,250 yards, 2,300 yards, somewhere in there. 15 touchdowns, only five picks. Um, he's on pace to have arguably the best season ever by a dual threat quarterback, I guess is what you'd call him. Um, he's on pace for 30, 3,500 yards and 1,250 yards, which is just insane stats to put together. Um, what really makes me happy about him is he avoids contact. He's just so hard to get a big hit on or a clean hit on that you don't have to worry as much about his health as you do with other quarterbacks. Um, like with Cam, Cam was so big that he was okay with going through people. Um, RG3 was not smart about it where he would try and dance along the sideline for an extra couple yards. Uh, Vic would push things and let guys get too close. But with Jackson, he just doesn't seem to do that. Um, he's not as small as people think. I think he's 6'2", 220 something right in there. So he's a decent sized dude. Um, but Aaron Donald is a whole nother ball game. So you have Aaron Donald and Lamar Jackson. It's just two guys. You're never going to see anyone like them. So it'll be interesting to see how the Ravens interior does against Aaron Donald and even their tackles because they've been lining Donald up on the outside and sometimes they stunt him back inside. Sometimes they let him rush from out there. It'll be interesting to see how the Ravens take um, handle him. And the Ravens-Rams game is actually the first one in gambling this week. 
Um, before we get to that reminder that we're betting 110 to win 100. Uh, only gamble where it's legal, and hopefully soon that comes to you as it's becoming legal more and more places. Uh, last week, Alex and I both went three and, or no, I went two and one. Alex went one and two. So I'm now 22 and 11 on the year. Hopefully you've been listening to me. You'll be up 990, whatever it is you're betting. Uh, Alex falls to 18 and 15. Um, so the Ravens are three-point favorites in L.A. Um, I think that they cover. I think they win this game somewhere along the lines of 27-20, something like that. Um, it'll kind of depend on can the Rams contain Lamar Jackson and can the Ravens stop Gurley and the Rams rush offense, which looked better the last couple weeks. Uh, so I'm taking the Ravens, and Alex is as well. Uh, we actually agree on all our picks this week. And the next one is the Steelers at the Bengals. Steelers are six and a half point favorites. And even though it's in Cincy, yeah, it's a division game. I don't like picking these, but Cincy just looks so bad. And Steelers are able to figure it out somehow. I wouldn't be surprised if this game is 16 to 10 in the fourth quarter. And then Ryan Finley throws a pick six to make a Fitzpatrick or something like that. And the Steelers won by 13. Uh, last game of the week, this will make you Hawks fans happy, I think. Uh, Alex and I both have the Hawks uh, winning, I think, in this one, even though they are one-and-a-half-point underdogs at the Eagles. I'm kind of surprised that the Hawks are the underdogs here because they seem like they're, what, six, seven points better than the Eagles, somewhere in there. Or, sorry, uh, like five points bigger than the Eagles. You'd expect them to be like a two-point favorite even in Philly. Uh, but Vegas has the Eagles being favored here, but neither Alex or I see that. And we have the Hawks covering, I think both of us have them winning this game. Um, and that'll do it for gambling and for the podcast this week. Um, if you have any questions, make sure to let us know. Follow us on social media at Late Night Shots. Um, if you want to come on and challenge Landon, who thinks the Seahawks are overrated, um, make sure to let us know so that you can do that. Um, if you want to support us, head on over to Patreon and Thanks, I guess. Sign off here.